Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition. This is the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Normally we go through an episode a week. Normally we go through an episode and tear that down and tear it back up and talk about what works and what doesn't. We're doing a little bit something different. We're going to release, we have a special little um, episode here for you today where we have... Something that, yeah, that you might not be here from us most of the time. Uh, we have Hugh. Do you want to go ahead and give us a heads up? Yeah. Um, this week, I was able to talk to Eve Gideon, an organizer for a GoFundMe campaign to get Morn to the 50th anniversary Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. And I was also able to talk to Mark Allen Shepard, uh, the actor who played Morn himself. So... What you guys are going to listen to is my conversation with the two of them, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Huh. All right. All right, yeah. I forgot to introduce James. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm here, buddies. Hey, guys. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. you, <laughs> you didn't interview this guy, so. <laughs> well, well, me neither. It's good to hear from you. I didn't do shit. I didn't do shit with this, but I'm here. With, without further ado, here is my interview with Eve and Mark. Welcome to the Rules of Acquisition. This is Hugh, and today I am joined not by Wade and James, but Mark Allen Shepard and Eve Gideon. Um, you will know Mark portrayed Morn on DS9, and Eve is one of the coordinators of a GoFundMe project. Yes. Yes. Eve, if you kind of want to take it from here and describe the project. Well, certainly. Um, You know, many of you out there, the listeners, I'm sure know about the big international Star Trek convention that happens every year in Las Vegas. People from all over the world come, and it's thrown by Creation Entertainment. Wonderful convention. Made a lot of good friends there, and, um, you know, we've met a lot of great Star Trek stars there, you know, including Mark Allen Shepard, our Morn. And this year being the 50th, um, a lot of us fans were very surprised that he was not included on the guest list. And many people are coming to this convention for the first time. And for those that have been before, it just doesn't seem right to have this big party, big 50th anniversary celebration without Morn sitting at Cork's bar stool. And um, it, it just couldn't seem right to have that will be empty. So we have put together a GoFundMe crowdfunding page to try and just get some money together to offset the cost of a plane ticket, a hotel room, and uh, just a few little travel expenses because we want Mark there, and a lot of people do, and um, that's what we're doing. That's fantastic. It seems like that, Mark, maybe at one point you were a fixture on this circuit. Have you, have you done these sort of things before? Um, yeah, I've been doing conventions since, I don't know, 1994 or something. Yeah, for over tw- almost 20 years, I guess. Yeah. Wow. So over over 20 years. 22 years, yeah. 22 years. Star Trek is pretty famous for convention culture. I've, yeah. I've personally, I've never been. Uh, can you guys kind of describe some of the, your experiences going to conventions? And maybe a lot of our listeners are new to Star Trek. Maybe they're finding out about DS9 through Netflix and then, you know, listening to our podcast as like a companion as we go through episode through episode. So 
some of them are new to the Star Trek fandom. Could you kind of, Eve, I don't know if you want to go first as a fan, describe what the convention experience like is for you? Yeah, I've, I've you know, I've gone to the, the Vegas convention every year for, oh my goodness, I couldn't tell you, maybe 10 or 12 years at least. My goodness. Really? And it's just got, it's gotten bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, it's a great opportunity to meet the stars that we really love from the show. You know, and they have them from all the genres, but, um, you know, Mark, when he, I think he first came to the Vegas convention two years ago, a lot of people came to the convention just because he was a guest. You know, even though Morn may never have had a line of dialogue, he's that big of a draw, and um, it meant a lot for us to meet him. And, uh, you know, I've been to other conventions as well, and, you know, for those listeners out there that haven't been, it really brings a whole new depth to the fandom. You meet other people that, that have the same passion as you. You see some great costuming. I'm a cosplayer. Just phenomenal craftsmanship you know when it comes to that and the creativity is just amazing and it's just a lot of fun and and it's a great opportunity to make some some absolutely lifelong friends you know and mark tell us what it's like to be on the other side of the table oh it's uh it's fantastic it's this uh giant costume party that goes on for two three days four days in the Las Vegas convention. Five, days, it, five days this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this year they're expecting something like 15,000 fans. And I've been to some of these other ones where I think on one day of this convention in Pasadena at the convention center there, there was maybe 15, almost 20,000 people in this one room. Wow. And mm-hmm. yeah. And if you have a hard time being on stage, it's not the place to be. But I had fun. I've I've always had fun. I I really enjoy meeting people that enjoy the character that I played, and that's always been a big thrill for me. And I I had this one fan that I met in Los Angeles at the Pasadena convention. Came all the way from Japan. Holy smokes! That's dedication. He said to me, I came all the way from Japan just to see you. Wow. And I, I thought he was just kidding. And I've seen him a couple of other times at the Las Vegas convention. And it was the same thing. He said, yeah, I knew you were going to be here. And I flew from Japan to see you. Now, uh, that, that must be a little bit overwhelming to hear that coming yeah, from that's, that's true, yeah. What was your relationship to Star Trek before, before getting the role? Um, I, like uh, people of my generation, old enough to remember the the first series, I guess I was uh, five years old when Star Trek, the premiere, aired. And my parents saw this, and for a five-year-old, it wasn't appropriate. So they said, no, this is not appropriate for you, and they turned it off. But, um, you know, I grew up with it and loved Captain Kirk and Spock and all the, the different characters. I loved flying around the galaxy in a starship that could go warp speed and all this. And I thought it was great. You know, I, I've been a big fan of science fiction ever since I was a kid. And uh, I have a really good imagination. I can imagine going to all these different places. Yeah, it's, the, a, it's a lot of fun. Now, the genesis of the Morn character, can you tell us a little bit about how that character came to be? Uh, well, the genesis of the Morn character, my understanding was that it was going to be like a one-shot deal. I was in the pilot, and it's actually, it's a long story, and I don't know exactly how much time we have. And we I, have I'm as long as you want to tell it. <laughs> Eve, Eve doesn't have as much time as I do. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I love your stories. Oh, uh, thank you. Um, I was out of work. And I was calling around to different agencies I was working for. 
And I got this call over a hotline. They said, we're casting a new Star Trek series called Deep Space Nine, and we need Starfleet. We need these characters called Bajorans. We need baseball players, bathing beauties. We need hideous aliens. We have uh, a spot for humanoid doctor types. If you could any of these, give us a call. And the moment I heard this, I thought, I, I, I got to get on this thing. And I called. And the line was busy. <laughs> oh, no. This feeling of, of your world and your hopes and dreams just falling out for a second. Okay, I got to call back. And so I sat on the phone for an hour pressing redial. Wow. And wow. again and again and again trying different, uh, if I could do it just a little bit faster, maybe I could beat out the next call or something. Pre-internet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it took me an hour. And then I finally got through. And uh, the, on the other end, the guy says, the computers are down, call back in an hour. And I said, okay, I, I call back in an hour. How is he going to know? And I started pressing redial again. I did the same thing for another hour. And I did this for three hours in a row. And, and after the second hour, it was the same thing. Computers are down, call back in an hour. But the third hour, finally, someone picked up and said, hi, this is Gary. Uh, who's this? And Gary, this is Mark Shepard. I have no idea what any of these characters uh, I would be good for. Can you just pick something for me? And he said, okay, uh, humanoid doctor type. I said, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, he gave me the details. I had to be there at nine o'clock in the morning the following day at the Gary Cooper building and Paramount back lot. And uh, I said, great, I'll be there. Thank you so much. And uh, I went the next day with one of these cattle calls. There's over 300 people there. And it wasn't like an audition. It was, you know, they took a Polaroid of you and then you went upstairs to this room, 10 people at a time, and they looked at you for a split second. They said, thank you very much. Go downstairs and we'll let you know in about 10 minutes. And uh, I was one of the last groups to get interviewed that day. And it was almost a hundred degrees outside. It was one of the hottest months of the year. You know, it was in July or August, beginning of August, I think, but one of the hottest days of the year. And someone came downstairs afterwards and said, okay, uh, we have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is that you guys didn't get picked for what you came to interview for. But the good news is we'd like to use you guys for something. And uh, would you mind playing an alien for us? And if you don't mind having these appliances on you. And I, I thought from a, what is this, Spaceballs? And uh, I thought it was <laughs> kind of ridiculous, yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to do that. And it took a month, you know, but I, after I got the yes to this, they sent me over for a fitting and one of these crazy fittings that you can't imagine all the measurements that they need for one of these costumes. Because, you know, for the, the mask, they have to measure not only your hat size, but your whole facial structure that your head actually fits in the mask. Wow. And so... Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, the, the costume that I got was a costume that they used in an episode of Next Generation. Do you remember a character called the Nosikans or something? Yes, yeah, yeah, I do. Really uh, ugly looking guys with like bony uh, protrusions out of their face and stuff. They looked really yeah, gnarly. Yeah, you don't want to get into a fight with these guys and they just changed the costume a little bit they took this little lapel off the top of the, the coat or something but the rest is basically the same and that's the costume i inherited and when it all came together you know the a month later I, I went back and i saw the mask for the first time it hadn't been painted yet it was just kind of like this creamy flesh colored foam and they painted it over the weekend and uh, i was supposed to get called get a call the following day for what time I should be there. And unfortunately, 
They said, you're not scheduled for the day that I was told that I was going to work on. I, I talked to Mike Westmore after putting the costume and the mask on. I said, when is this going to work? And he said, it was the following Tuesday. And that's uh, the first uh, weekend in September. That was the that Labor Day. Yes. Labor Day. And uh, I didn't get this call. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go anyways. And I didn't have a car at the time. I had to take a bus. And the only way to, for me to get down to the studio and they start working on these things at uh, between four and five in the morning. Wow. I had to take a bus the night before because uh, the buses weren't running that early. And I stayed up all night at Denny's restaurant till about three o'clock in the morning. And I was talking the ear off to the guy behind the counter pouring me coffee as an ex, ex-Marine. He said, uh, you know what? I have a break in 20 minutes. Why don't I drive you down to the studio? I said, wow, that is, you know, <laughs> one of those things he's like you know after three hours i'm telling him my life story and he's like oh you're a nice guy i'll give you a ride down to the studio and, and it was amazing i got there and nobody was there yet it was four o'clock in the morning and uh, i fell asleep out in front of the costume department and i just i was, didn't get any sleep that night i was up all night and someone nudged me at uh, about 4.30 in the morning and said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm supposed to work this morning on Deep Space Nine. And uh, I nobody was here when I got here. And I just guess I fell asleep. They said, well, you should go over to the stage. They're so over on stage four. And I went over to stage four. And they had all the makeup tables set up and ready to go. And I walked in. I talked to the assistant directors. And they said, I'm sorry, you're not on my list. What are you doing here? And I said, well, I know there must be some mistake. I, I know I'm supposed to work here today. And as I'm walking across the room, I saw Mike Westmore. I said hi to him. And he said, Mark, good, you're here. Your makeup's over there. And he pointed to a table where the mask was ready. And uh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And then I, I thought about it afterwards. I thought, you know what? It's one of those things that in Hollywood, you know, nothing is written in stone. And even if you get cast for something, if a friend of somebody's wants to work and they have a position of power where they can bump someone and put you in, that happens sometimes. I don't know that. That's just speculation. So, you know, I have no idea. But it just seemed like that. I have and a it, picture I, in my head of Morn sitting at a Denny's drinking coffee. <laughs> Yeah, except I, I wasn't warned then. I had no idea. I, I, I know. I didn't know what to expect, you know. And uh, I'm getting into makeup, and the ADs are across the room. They're looking at me, and they're looking at each other, and they're shaking their heads and looking at me. And the one looks at the other, and I could I could hear what they were saying, sort of, I, even though it was kind of muffled with the mask on. And uh, one looks at the other and says, isn't he your favorite alien? uh, (laughs) You know, it was a a funny thing. And and all of a sudden I became the favorite alien. And this was this nightmare day. It was uh, one of the hottest days. It was over 100 degrees up in the high desert. They were talking about record highs for the day or something, 120 degrees. And uh, the wind from the high desert was coming down into the valley. And the air conditioning on the sets was broken. Oh, no. And so it's 100, 100 degrees outside the set. It's probably 110 degrees on the sets because of all the hot lights and everything. And the only thing that they could use to cool the place down were these big industrial fans. And I'm I'm literally, I'm sweating right through the costume. I, I lost 10 pounds in two days. And I, I worked three days, but, you know, it's just nuts. And I, when, I, when they would cut, 
I would go out to this big fan that they would turn on during these cuts, and I would just stand in front of the fan for a few seconds, and the, the air would just blow right through the costume, and I would cool down for a few seconds. And at the end of the day, I had to take a bus to go back home, and I got home with just enough time that I could shower, shave, change my clothes, and run back to the bus stop. And I did that for three days in a row. And the third day, it was a Friday, they, they went into golden time, which means that we were working for 16 hours plus. And so for three days, I had, I had no sleep. The only time I slept, I was on the bus and I closed my eyes for a few seconds and I would dream that I was waking up someplace else. It was just crazy. But wow, that was that was one of the most unusual jobs I ever had. Now, and, what, uh, like the rest of the time underneath that suit, did they have any way to keep you cool for the rest of the run of the series? Only to take the jacket off. Wow. So the mask stays on for, I don't know, average day was 12, 13 hours. <laughs> wow. Wow. You kind of take I it for granted. You know, ice packs or something. Yeah. Yeah, or some kind of refrigerator something, something that blows cold air inside the suit. But that's fantasy. It doesn't exist. You know, it's cost too much money to do something like that. And the best that they could do is to take the jacket off when I wasn't on camera. But the mask stayed on the entire day. I will uh, say from your fans, we appreciate the suffering that you went through for (laughs) our pleasure. Oh, that's nice. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, it was a labor of love, right? Wow. That sounds, sounds like they kind of put you through the ringer and you really don't appreciate that when you're just like sitting in your air-conditioned house and you've got Netflix on and you're and you're watching DS9 and then, you oh, know what I mean the thing, uh, the thing was um I really I wanted to be there and uh, I went all I went through all this stuff because I never in all the time that I worked in Hollywood you get a job and maybe if, if it's a good job and lasts one or two days, that's good. Most jobs is just one day. And being on a show for a week, you know, that's good. If you if you work for 16 hours plus, you get golden time. That's the magic ticket. I, I got golden time today. And then you start counting how much time you had on golden time because uh, at the 16th hour, you get another paycheck. So what you would make for eight hours, you get as what you make for that hour over on the 16th hour, you get so I was getting paid for makeup and everything. And it wasn't a lot of money because I wasn't mourned originally was like a background character that they liked. They were like, wow, we got to keep this guy. And if he doesn't mind the makeup, we're going to keep him because I I made some kind of impression. And I was heavily featured in all the original commercials and everything. There's this sequence where the Cardassians, you know, the pilot episode, Cardassians trash Deep Space Nine when the Starfleet gets there to the place is just a mess and they have to make everything new again. So the, the, the Cardassians came back and they said, well, do you mind if we go down to the promenade and we want to go to Quarks? And so uh, the Cardassians are in Quarks and there's this scene where Quark is at the Dabo table and uh, they, they yell Dabo, but Morn didn't win. So he throws his fists on the Dabo table and then <laughs> huffs away and turns around and walks out. And there was this little segment where I turned around and apparently I was right on camera. And when I turned, there's Morn 
from like the, the knees or the waist up or something. And he turns around and walks out and the Cardassians are like, ah, yeah, we won, we won. And they showed this over and over again in the commercials for Deep Space Nine. Look what's coming in a couple of weeks on this new Star Trek show. And the second day I was on the show, the first day I was, I was the producer's favorite alien. And when I was at the bar and I was in the shot, I was directly I was sitting next to Cisco and she said, okay, you're at the bar and you're telling this joke and let's say it's the funniest joke in the universe can you handle that and i just looked at her and because i didn't have any sleep i just looked at her and i said lady whatever you want you got it <laughs> and just like that and I, i'm thinking there okay i'm on star trek wow i'm in the monkey suit it's 100 degrees i'm a, it's 100 more than 100 degrees inside the suit and thinking what does this character sound like? What's the funniest joke in the universe? And you're, you know, you're trying to make sense of all this stuff. And you know, there's this point where you don't go to sleep for 24 hours. You become very calm. You don't, you don't have any fear of anything. And and you're thinking, okay. I, and then I thought of something. I said, that's it. That's the funniest joke in the universe. And uh, it has something to do with change. You know, the the thing that that uh, that the universe does is it changes. It's constantly changing. And just when you have everything figured out and you think you got everything figured out, it all changes. And the, the universe throws everything up in the air and says, oh, we're going to do something new now. So I, I, I did this funniest joke in the universe and they loved it. They said, that's great. Cut, print, we move on. And the next day, the first assistant director came up to me and she said, oh, by the way, we love your character and we think you have a career here. I said, wow, that's great. I thought they were just being nice to me. I'm in the monkey suit. It's 100 degrees outside. I'm dying in this thing. And I haven't slept for two days. They're just being nice to me. And uh, lunchtime came and they had some people from Entertainment Weekly magazine on the set. And they said, oh, by the way, Entertainment Weekly wants to know if you don't mind. They want you on the cover of the magazine. I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it was incredible. And then we did this over the lunchtime. Quark, one of the Davo girls, me, and this guy who was looked like an asparagus head. He was the undercover reporter for Entertainment Weekly magazine. And two weeks later, we we're on the cover of Entertainment Weekly magazine. It was this inside scoop preview of the new Star Trek series. And that was my first cover. It was me and the Morn suit, but Morn didn't have a name at that time. And they had all sorts of funny names for him. But it wasn't Morn, not until uh, the episode Dax did Morn. That was around Thanksgiving. Well, that was... Yeah, so, I, can, um, I can talk all night, but I, I should <laughs> let you guys talk too. Well, I just wanted to... That was, no, that, was a fantastic, that was a fantastic story. I just wanted to touch upon where we could find the GoFundMe page and how much longer, how many more days do you think we'll have left? Well, you know, we don't really have um, it set in stone. Um, you know, it's been on for 22 days and we've been kind of sad about, um, you know... We haven't had as many donations as we thought because somebody initially, when, when the whole, when it hit the fan that Mark had not been invited as a guest to the convention, I mean, Facebook just erupted and a lot of people just, you know, started writing the, the um, convention creators and, and saying, you know, why hasn't he been invited? You know, let's, let's do this. A lot of people started saying, you know, I'll put up, you know, some money and somebody said, so will I. So Sonia Tucker, you know, an, another fan and I said, 
you know what? And we started talking to Mark. What do you think if we, we actually made a GoFundMe page? And sure, it's not, you know, the noblest fundraiser. And, and, and it certainly isn't something about saving someone's life or, or anything like that. And, and, and we appreciate all those kinds of funds. But, you know, this is something that we it seemed like the fans that were going to the convention were, were kind of clamoring for. So we decided to go ahead and start the GoFundMe page. And if you GoFundMe, the title of the uh, fund is called Don't Let Morn's Chair Be Empty. Um, you know, Or if you go to Facebook, there is a, a Facebook page called Morn's Chair Cannot Be Empty. And there is a link to the GoFundMe website. And you know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of people share, but not a lot of people have donated. And, and, and it's just, you know, all the people that like or share the page would just jo- donate $10. $10 is, you know, the cost of a lunch or two, you know, lattes, whatever, that would get us there. You know, we're not asking for a lot, just enough to, to cover the cost to get Mark a, a trip from Germany where he lives, you know, and cover hotel and transport expenses. And, and you know, he wants to meet the fans. And, um, you know, what we would like to do is, is you know, once we get him there, because we're thinking positive, um, you know, we're going to have a special meet and greet offsite and, you know, with the people that have donated. And, you know, Mark is going to, he does this, fantastic artwork and, and Mark's going to send each person that donated a personalized postcard written to them with his artwork on it. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And, All right. and, and no donations. Uh, I think you guys have been really, really nice and I, I would never ask for something like that myself. And uh, when they first told me that I should do something like that, I said, oh, please. I feel, feel embarrassed. I don't want to ask people to do things like that for me. And so the you know, if, if you guys really think that you should do that, then please, please do it. But uh, I don't want to be a, the person asking for it, you know. Sure. But I, I, I appreciate that when the fans want someone to be there and they're, they're asking for this. And for some, you know, I was there last year. So that could be part of it, you know. And the year before that, two, two years in a row. Yeah, and we're not trying to step on the toes of the, you know, the convention organizers or anything. And, and you know, oh. we're not, we're certainly not trying to tell them how to, how to run things or anything like that. If nothing else, this is getting whom we consider a friend, helping them get to the convention because they love Star Trek and, and they want to be with the people that love it too and, and hang out with the people that appreciate it and, and celebrate this, this landmark 50th. Um, and, and that's really what Mark wants to do. You know, that's, that's really all there is to it. Yeah. I, I think uh, because it's part, partly because it's the 50th anniversary and, you know, I grew up with Star Trek and I, I was never one to go to these conventions before I started playing this character. But I had so much fun this last year and so much fun the year before that. And I, I'm i the kind of person that I always slow the line down. They have these autograph lines where the people are sitting there and for like a split second they're writing the autograph and then the next person comes and you don't even look up at the person and I'm the kind of guy I'm I'm greeting the person say hi how are you oh, I'm so happy to see you and thank you for uh, coming I hope you have a nice time this weekend and it's, it's taking you know but people would get into a special line just to see me and they would wait sometimes for an hour in the line and they would make these special lines just just for me because I'm I'm the slow one but I I I like 
I'm more personable, I think. I don't know. I, I like to, to say hi to people, and I like to wish them a nice time and, and to thank them. And, and you, also- just, to, just to tell you, you know, two things here. One, um, you know, usually when Mark is there and, and they have him as a guest, they have him as part of a panel with other guest stars of, of you know, the different Star Trek series, and 90% of the questions get thrown at Mark. I mean, that's how beloved he is. And also... Oh, I don't if, know. You know you, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I noticed those things. But um, okay. also, you know, creation has created as part of the convention. They've actually recreated Quark's bar. Not not exactly architecturally, but they've made a Quark's bar, and it's a lot of fun to hang out at. And if you go they to the made, convention, made a Mark will be there. And a mask. <laughs> and uh, the, I, I wore it one time, but then uh, I found out that someone else was wearing the mask and the suit later on, and we uh, we, we had a panel. We were all on stage. It was the costume party. And I said, wouldn't it be funny if I had the mask and the suit on uh, for the costume judging? I was one of the judges. <laughs> that Morn is one of the judges. But Morn doesn't say anything. You know, right. <laughs> you know the, the mask was never, the original Morn mask was never made to talk. He was always going to be a silent character. If you make a, a character that talks, the mouth, you have to have it so that it, it moves and that it doesn't wrinkle every time you open your mouth. And so, unfortunately, you know, but, you know, the funny, funny thing about that, even though the character never said anything, he became such a popular character. And then while I was living here in Germany, for the 40th anniversary, they had an article in the German version of TV Guide magazine that comes out. It's a TV and movie magazine. They had this Star Trek spread about the 40th anniversary. and then. They had this top 10 most curious stories in Star Trek history. And Morn, the story about Morn, a character that never said anything for seven years, but became so popular, was number five most curious story in Star Trek history. Yeah, that's great. But my God. I mean, that's not just Deep Space Nine. And out of all those series, number five most curious story in Star Trek history was a, <laughs> about a character that never said anything. That's really unusual. You know, the thing about first interracial kiss between um, Captain Kirk and Uhura. And, that, and there's other things in there, too. And I thought that was kind of unique, you know, that made me think about it. Why? why? You know, that's the, the first thing is, okay. Was was I that significant? You know, I the character has been on a on the cover of a number of magazines. But I, I I'm I'm very flattered. You know, it's one of those things as as someone that I enjoyed the series growing up and and uh, that I was able to play a character on on a show for for seven years. That is so unusual for an actor to work on any show for more than a couple of days. It's really unusual. And when you're on for seven years, it's hard to believe, you know. And I was talking to my mom one day and she said, are you ever going to go someplace on this show? Are you ever going to talk? And I said, Mom, look, I have an action figure. And she said, oh, right. <laughs> you know, once I told her that, she said, oh, that's different. And she started telling all her friends that they should watch the show, that I was this alien on the show and that they should watch it. And very funny. But uh, it's it's been such a, such a, a fan, fantastic thing. This has been a phenomenal thing. And, you know, how much of that is the story of Star Trek in a, a, a modern mythology in the context of popular culture and just the the phenomenon of star trek 
which has been around for 50 years now. In September, it'll be 50 years. Wow. Hard to believe. Yeah, it's yeah. gone by quick. Anyway. Well, I, uh, I think that uh, we're going to do our best to get this push between getting the word out on Facebook on the, and on the podcast. We really I just, appreciate that. Well, I appreciate both of you coming on the show and taking time to talk to me about more convention uh, culture and Star Trek in general. So I just want well, we to... We to see you at the 50th in Vegas. That's all you have to do is go. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have, I hopefully I'll be around for one in the future. I'd like we'd like to make it out there. So yeah, that, I hear it's completely sold out, and the only thing that they have left, the only tickets they have left, are going by auction. So a uh, hundred dollar seat from the general admission is going for a thousand or something. It's crazy. That's crazy. But uh, that's that's the business, you know. Yeah. When when the demand is high, you put everything up on auction on eBay or whatever, and uh, you can ask whatever price whatever price someone wants to pay. And if they really want to go that bad, they want to pay a thousand dollars for one of the cheap seats. Yeah, if they got the Latinum, they'll get to go, won't they? Yeah. That's true. They're not <laughs> asking for bricks anymore. They're <laughs> asking for bricks. <laughs> right. All that's left. What is happening? Guys, well, I think we I really enjoyed our conversation, and I thank thank you again, and uh, we'll we'll have this up soon. Subspace transmission disconnected. So that was the interview. Everybody had some weird stuff in the signal there at the end. But go ahead and stop by the Don't Leave Morn's Chair Empty GoFundMe page. We'll put a link up for that so that you can find it. And then we'll be back next week with our same regularly scheduled podcast materials and whatnot. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye.